Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. This is Dr. Jay Calvert, and I am here with my illustrious and extremely talented co-host, Dr. Millicent Ravello. Good evening. Thank you for the kind words. Well, you deserve them because today we are going to be talking about facelift techniques. Mm, That's a hefty one. Yeah, we're not just talking about who needs one. Like, we've done that. Yeah, we're past that. This is facelift 201. This is how you do it. This is how you get the job done because in the theme of our marketing technique, (laughs) just crap that I can't stand. (laughs) Facelifts are up there. Oh my God. People, they market these facelifts like, and you know who you are, people. Yes, I am talking. (laughs) Um, But with that said, there are differences in techniques. Mm -hmm. And the techniques need to be understood. So when you do see people who are, you know, really, you know, riding some technique of why they're better. And and I'm just going to stop for a second and just say, look, if you want to know what's going to happen to you when you get plastic surgery by a certain plastic surgeon, look at the before and afters. Yeah. That's it. Because that, that, that's what they're going to do. I always say to people, do you like my before and afters? And they say, yeah, I do. Great. You're in the right place. Right. Then you're going to like what I do because that's what I'm going to do. You know, and I have had people come in where I said, do you like the before and after? It's like, well, I didn't really see any I liked on your website. I was like, then go somewhere else (laughs) because that's what I'm going to do. And that is the truth. So, you know, you really need to understand that. But there are a lot of people that market their facelift techniques as the reason that they are better. And I just think... Very little of them. <laughs> I really do. Let's just say facelifts have been around for a very long time. Oh my God, yes. And techniques have definitely evolved and changed. And there's a variety, a handful of different techniques that can be done, tweaked, you know, for any individual patient. But the basic concept of a facelift is sort of unchanged. I think I was up on a soapbox. <laughs> Should I get off the soapbox? Come on down. Okay, I'm going to get off. I'm just going to step down off the soapbox and get out of the village square. And now I'm going to start talking about the techniques. Because you're right. Facelifts, the I, the concept of the facelifts is that the face has fallen and it can't get up. And it cannot get up. It needs some <laughs> help. Remember that commercial? Help. Not commercial. It's Family Matters. Urkel. No, it I've it's fallen Ur- and I can't get up. Yes. There was this commercial that you had like a little first alert, I think was the other oh, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> I've fallen and I can't get up. We're sending help right away, Mrs. Johnson. That's right. I was thinking it was Family Matters, Steve Urkel. Oh, I remember. Yeah, Yeah. the Urkel. Well, that's that's dating (laughs) us. So the the techniques, basically, and and I I know I'm going to say this and I'm going to upset a lot of people, mostly of the female persuasion. But the reason that I think a lot of women get facelifts is because as they get older, their face turns more into a boxy it does and more masculine it turns square it turns into a guy's face i know it's not it's not fun and it's not an accident that that happens it's because the estrogen shuts down and the testosterone goes up and it makes for a very masculine look and i think half the reason to have a facelift is to restore the non-masculine shaped face for a female for a guy 
you got to be careful because you don't want to restore the female shape of a face to a guy's face, which I see happen a lot. I don't know if it's a hormone thing. I mean, it's really just a gravity thing. No, I mean, I, our faces I, start, you know, it's supposed to be a youthful female face. It's heart-shaped. Yes. It has the high cheekbones. Yes. It comes to a point at the chin. Perfect. And Love then it. as we age, the soft tissue, the fat, the skin starts to kind of descend off of the bone structure. And so then that's when you start getting the jowls and the widening of the jaw because your face is literally falling down. So it's going from being a heart to a square. Well, I think it's, it is a lot of bony changes, too. I mean, we know that the soft tissue thins, right? We've seen CT scans where, you know, the 20-year-old, the, the cheek uh, off the maxilla is like two and a half centimeters thick. And then when they're, you know, 60, it's like a centimeter. Yeah. And that's a big reduction big in soft tissue. Right. That's gone, right. which is the whole argument for fillers and fat grafting right. and all that. Right, filling up the cheeks. So, but the reason that that people need these facelifts is to restore that shape, and I and I think that that's key. You want a crisp jawline. You want them to look natural. You don't want them to look like they've been pulled and, and facelifted. You want them to look like a better, younger, healthier version of themselves. Right. And that tech, the technique that you get there with is kind of up to the surgeon. It depends on, you know, are they, you know, what what's best in their hands. Yeah, how they were trained, what they like doing, where they see the best results. You know, there are certain patients that may be better suited for one technique versus another. But I think you're right on the money. It's really what the surgeon does best. Yeah, I mean, that that's where I, I've really been very happy to be flexible with my techniques. I like being able to do a smass lift and a deep plane and a smassectomy or a plication, or in revisions, a combination of some right. of these things. I yeah. mean, I think that's where, you know, being able to custom tailor the technique to the patient's face is how you're going to get the best results and make them look the most natural that they can, still get them the, the lift that they're looking for, hide the scars, all those things. You, you have to do it through a real understanding of the anatomy of that patient. And so that, let's just talk about the, the anatomy in general. So we're talking about mainly here the SMAS. That's sort of where the changes in technique are going to come from. The SMAS is the... Superficial muscular aponeurotic system. Very good. 100%. It's, yay, me! <laughs> <laughs> you passed your board, sir. Thank you. Well. Very nice. <laughs> that is the, uh, basically the thick coating over the facial muscles it's right. a, it's a it's a thick layer it's a very fascia, it's a distinct layer yeah i mean it is a fascial system that is continuous contiguous with the platysma muscle in the in, in the, the neck, neck which is that superficial thin muscle right under the skin right. in the neck coming from the latin root platy meaning flat mm, plate-like there you go. um so the platysma is that muscle that you see when you show your bottom yeah, and you grimace yeah. Yeah, and that's the platysma, and that is also involved in the neck lift facelift mm-hmm. combo. Um, and so, how you deal with the smas is the difference in technique for real. For most, the skin incisions and maybe a little variations, but mostly you're going to have an incision in front of your ear, behind your ear, behind your ear, and in the hairline. Like that's sort of unchanged. Well, oh, but there's, there's, some, some, of, there's some. I mean, there's, there's some people that literally things. put the incision in front of the ear. Oh, okay. Well, we're not going to talk no. about those people. <laughs> Listen, they do. I know, but... Okay. But that's like, that's fugly. It's terrible. Yes, yes. I mean, don't agreed. put the incision in front of the ear. You need to like 
weave it into the into all into the folds into the and into fold, the, into behind the, lines. the tragus. And, yes, you know, you want it to be awesome. You don't want it to be like I. I Okay, I'm going to get back off okay. my box. I was so getting back up. Did you notice I yes, started climbing? Come back down, come back down. back down. Okay. Yeah. So there's the skin incision, old facelifts. It was just skin. You would just trim it. You'd release yeah. the skin. You'd pull it. You'd trim it. Done. Call it a facelift. Awesome. We realized that doesn't work so well. We realized that the true basis of getting a facelift to last and look natural is to actually treat that underlying fascial system, the SMAS. So that's where the real facelift is. That is the action. It's all about doing either application, which is a great technique. Um, it's pretty basic where you're just basically folding the, the smass together and suturing mm-hmm. it. I don't really do that, um, but a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, there's the smass flap where you actually lift up the smass over the parotid gland and make a big flap, go all the way down to where, how, as far as you want to go and pull it and that's where you're really making a big uh, a whole separate layer of the smas peeling it off the zygomaticus major off off the facial muscles and then lifting it and stitching it and sewing it into position and also because it's contiguous with the platysma typically that will blend with the platysma muscle and you lift the platysma to the 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 mastoid process which is behind the the ear and that's all stitched in place, and then the skin is redraped and trimmed. Um, I do that a lot. Mm-hmm. As much as I do that, I love the deep plane facelift. Very big fan. I think the deep plane skips taking the the smas off the parotid, and you're actually diving into the deep plane in the mobile smas. So there's the the fixed smas, which is over the parotid gland, which is right in front of the ear and over your jawbone. And then there's the mobile smas, which is as you get further out towards the mouth, you know, because we think about further out from our incision where our incision's at the the ear. ear. So we're going out towards the mouth. And then we dive under that mobile smas and we lift it. Uh, And that's, people don't really love that technique because you're around all the branches of the facial nerve, which, you know, again, if you know how to do a deep plane is not a big deal. It's actually very safe. If you understand the anatomy of the deep plane, then the deep plane is great because you elevate the deep plane mobile smas and f- and lift it and fix it to the fixed smas over the parotid. And it is a beautiful technique. It looks amazing for the right patient. It's not for everybody. And then there's also you know other combinations, which I have kind of done a little bit of combo smas flap, platysmal flap with the deep plane. Mm. And that is Fancy. really... <laughs> You know, I, I, the last five I've done like that, and uh, Orla, my PA, came to me because she does all the stuff afterwards for them, and she's just like, whatever you're doing is really uh, good. <laughs> that looks really that's good. good. Yeah, she noticed it. Yeah. And so did I, because I, I was like, why don't I just do this, and I don't want to talk about it, because I don't want to tell everybody my technique <laughs> until I've kind of figured it all out. But uh, but it looks amazing, and you know the the patients are very happy, so... That's the key. The key is to do something that in your hands as the surgeon is going to make your patient very happy. I agree. There are, like you said, a variety of techniques and you can choose to use whichever one you want that you think is best for that patient and that you think is going to have an optimal outcome. My one word of caution uh, to the patients maybe and to the listeners is you can't go into your surgeon and tell them, I want a smash flap. I want no. a smasectomy. <laughs> it no. doesn't work that way. No. I, 
And I'm only saying that because it's happened. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm looking at the soapbox right now. I'm just not going to get up there. I'm not. I, I do think that it is really important that you go to a surgeon where you like the before and afters and you like the concept of their practice and how they do things. And then just trust that they're going to do a good job for you. You have to because you don't know surgery. You know, it's like I don't even know how many patients I've just said I can't operate on you because they've tried to tell me how to do surgery. And it's like when they start saying things that they don't really understand what it is that they're saying, they start telling you to do things a certain way that's like, well, that's not how it doesn't even works. make it sense. Does, yeah. It doesn't make. Yeah, and so then now you can't really operate on them because you're not going to do what they said because it's not the right thing to do right. anyway. And it's not how surgery works. So, so you're stuck now. It's like, well, I can't do that because it won't work. And, and if you really want me to do that, then I probably shouldn't be your surgeon. So it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to, un, unless you're a plastic surgeon. And you can come into the plastic surgeon and say, hey, do you do you do this? And the, you say no. Then you say, okay, well, I'll go somewhere else because you want a technique. But a technique mm-hmm. isn't the answer for the... No, that's it's not the, how you get a result. It's not. It's, the result is the result. You want the result. <laughs> well, great. However the surgeon gets there. That's right. Don't ask how the sausage gets made. <laughs> Just, you know, trust it's delicious and it's, you're going to love it. You know, it's it's really key. With that said... Are there any differences you think in terms of healing times for any of the techniques? I don't know. I don't know that I've really been able to pinpoint that there's differences per se. I think if you're doing something fairly basic or simple, like just a plication, you might have a shorter period of swelling than if you were to do more of an extensive dissection. But I don't know that it's anything that's of note. No, I I don't think so either. I think the key is how meticulous the surgeon is with uh, hemostasis, with stopping right. the bleeding. Right. And I think it's operative time. Operative time, you know, making sure that the anesthesiologist, the whole OR team is on board with the kind of anesthesia, the fluids you're getting, the kind of steroids you're getting. All of that plays a part. And you want, you want a team that knows how to do a facelift. And that includes sure. the surgeon, the OR team, the anesthesiologist, et cetera. And, and most, any plastic surgeon that does enough plastic surgery usually has a team they trust. So that's not so much sure. an issue. Yeah, but that, that is the key in terms of like this whole technica palooza for you know marketing i mean it's it's really it's just a disservice i think to the patients <laughs> <laughs> i'm going back up there you, you couldn't you tried like, you tried to stay away, to stay away. <laughs> it, just, oh, it just drives me crazy because it's like no that's not even important <laughs> like what's important is that you have a safe effective spectacular result, result. You know, that you achieve that way. I mean, that's what's important. And it's just this. And uh, sometimes minimally invasive just means a minimal result. Actually, not some, most of the time. <laughs> most, unless you are no, in a younger age group or you're just genetically gifted, there is a time when you're going to age out of the non-invasives and the fillers yes. as a treatment. And so if some, if your practitioner is looking at you and telling you, you know what, you need a facelift. You probably need a facelift. And rather than spending oodles of money on the non-invasives and the injectables and the fillers, maybe just save your pennies for that facelift. Are you alluding to, I'm about to say a four-letter word, threads? 
Is that four letter word? Oh, I, I, I get it. It's an analogy. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm on the fence about the threads. So threads are not a new technique. They've been around for some time. They've been known in the past as the lunchtime facelift. Um, and it's a brilliant concept theoretically. You know, you thread these barbed sutures or threads under the skin and then you tug on them. And by the nature of the barb, you know, nature of the threads, they tug on the skin as well. And you get this little, you got a little lunchtime lift. This concept of threads. You know, the way you say it, it sounds so nice. <laughs> yeah, it really did. Lift. The way that you I mean, said no, that, I, I was like, that. I almost want that. I want that. Um, and That's they've really sort of good. had a revitalization of the past few years. And I know some practitioners that do it and they seem to like it. Um, again, it's, it's patient choice. This is not an operation for anyone. And if you need a surgical facelift, a lunchtime thread That's lift not is gonna not going to do it for you. If you're in your late 30s, early 40s, have a small amount of jowling, maybe. Maybe someone that does this enough, you can get a good result. I'm on the fence. I'm ambivalent about okay. it. Well, I'm not, but I'm going to ask you a question <laughs> and you tell me the answer. Just what patient have you seen that says, oh my God, I got the threads. I am so happy with it. I have not seen that patient. <laughs> Neither have I. I usually get the, um, I think. I think it was okay. I think it was good. Unfortunately, most of the patients I see that have had that are also doing old therapy, fillers, lasers. So like they can't really pinpoint if it was the threads or the old therapy or, you know, like there's a lot going on. I don't want to disparage the threads because I think that the concept makes a ton of sense. It totally does. The problem is, is that there's a flaw in the concept and that flaw is that you're pulling on the soft tissue under the skin and that somehow that's going to make this, the surface look better. So I think that there could be a temporary improvement, probably from the swelling, from <laughs> running threads through your face, but the lift is definitely going to cheese wire through and fall down because you haven't done anything to really alter. You're, you're basically like pushing stuff around. It's oh, it the is, equivalent to yeah. finger surgery. It's temporary. I yeah. mean, they, and they will tell you that if they're honest. If no, they're going to say, course. you're going to need this done again in 9 to 12 months. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to disparage it, but I, I just hear the cost of this procedure and how much it is. And it just, it, to me, it's like, if it's time for the facelift. Like, it's time. I know, and it's expensive. Facelifts are expensive. They're expensive, and I'm telling all my friends right now, like my best piece of advice to you, other than wearing sunscreen, is start putting money away for your facelift. Because <laughs> facelift fund. For facelift fund, because it's going to creep up on you, and you're going to be 45, 50 years old, and someone's going to tell you you need a facelift, and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, that's really expensive. Or it just, you didn't see it coming, whatever. But you want it. I hear that all the time. But I want it. But I can't afford it. But I want it. <laughs> and I get it. I get it. Facelift That's why I'm telling you, put your pennies away now. Yeah, facelift fund is really important. Um, yeah, the threats. Okay, <laughs> well, I, I'm going to stay away from it. I, I do. I, I am going to say, though, that the concept does make sense. It's like a great idea. But... I just haven't seen anybody who's been like, I would totally do that again. It was awesome. You know, and, and that's kind of what I look for in, in these procedures before I recommend them to people is I want to see like, you know, repeatability and right. I want them to, to like be psyched about it. So what do you think of when someone comes to you and says mini facelift? 
I don't even know what that is. I don't know either. I mean, I've know, had a couple I, companies I know. like, can I get the mini facelift? I'm like, what is that? You it's don't know tool. what a mini facelift is. You know, it's a marketing is. term. So, you know, like when people say, oh, I, I just need a mini. I'm like, sure, why not? Okay. <laughs> because, you know, I'm still going to do like a facelift. Right. Because like mini, Mini, whatever. what does you that call mean? Whatever you want. Yeah. Like guys, well, here's, a, here's one. Guys will, and, and this is not a joke. I had one of my friends who's roughly my age sitting in my office and he was doing this. He was like pushing on his neck. Like oh, yeah. This. That's the move. Yeah. He's pushing yeah. on his neck. He goes, hey, do you think I should get my eyes done? <laughs> and uh, I'm like, well, th- those aren't your eyes. That's your neck. But yeah, he's like, yeah, if I get my eyes done, it takes care of all this, right? I'm like, yes, it does. We'll do we'll your say eyes. That. And we're going to do, maybe we should do, how about we do a neck lift? With an upper facial extension. Do you want to do that? Because maybe that sounds... Oh, that sounds really good. That's what I need. I just need the... I was like, you need a facelift. It's, it's called a facelift because your face needs help. And, you know, facelift is really... It is about the jawline. It's really about the yes. neck. It's about the jawline. It's about the jowl. It's like all that stuff. And so it's really key for people to understand that there's lots of ways to get there. Some people say facelift. They mean everything from brow, eyes, face, neck, the whole deal, fat grafting. That to me is like a facial rejuvenation yes. procedure. I don't call that a facelift. I call that, I call the lower face and neck sort of a facelift. But I'll say yeah. net face and neck. Yeah. Um, once you're adding in brow, eyes, everything else, that's like a overall like facial rejuvenation. And that that's a lot more extensive. And you know the cost of these procedures a lot gets more up there. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. It sure is. I mean, there's there's big time money and effort put into these things, and that's really what it takes to get it over the line. But you know. You can make some really nice looking results for people that way, especially if you do it all one time. I couldn't agree more. All right. Well, I'm off the soapbox. <laughs> I think that it's time for dinner. Come on our, home. It's <laughs> our facelift technique discussion. And this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is brought to you by Rock Spa. This is MediSpa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496. And Roxbaugh Newport Beach is located at 1617 Westcliff Drive, Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-640-1111. You can go to their respective websites, RoxbaughNewportBeach.com or RoxbaughBeverlyHills.com. Rockspa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty. And if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform, it's the way to maintain those operations. If you mention this podcast you will get the member's pricing for your hydrofacial. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery. 
but there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery. Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com, and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800, and that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.